On this episode, we discuss the Meg. Welcome to Jurassic Shark. <laughs> Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Elliot Kalen, back at you, doing what I do. What is it that I do, guys? I don't know, but whatever it is, it ain't pretty. Uh-huh. Oh, no, not at all. Dan, what do we do here on this podcast? Okay, well, <laughs> great segue, guys. Yeah, We're segue really stew, they call them. Firing on all cylinders tonight. <laughs> yep. Uh, we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Oh, heck yeah, we do, and... Did we watch a movie today, Dan? <laughs> well, <laughs> we didn't watch it today. No. Why, but why do I smell toast? You watched it today. Uh, <laughs> we watched a movie called The Meg. The Meg. Short for Meggie Gyllenhaal. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's short her name. For, short for Megabyte, the villain from Reboot, the old CG cartoon sh- Saturday morning cartoon show, because this is like the gritty reboot of reboot and they find and they started uh-huh. it with a spinoff about the villain uh-huh. megabyte uh-huh no kidding <laughs> okay wow uh yeah. is the animation any better now or did they intentionally like lower the animation quality to food fight standards so that we could uh so people who are nostalgic for the original cartoon would feel connected oh the animation is actually worse than the original cartoon oh cool okay yeah uh-huh it's so just a guy with a couple of paper uh, cutout dolls, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's called Balinese shadow puppetry, Dan. It goes back thousands of years. It's a rich folklore tradition. But we're okay. just kidding. The Meg is actually about Meg Ryan, star of French Kiss, uh-huh. Sleepless in Seattle, uh-huh. uh, In the Cut. Um, <laughs> yeah, the movie everyone thinks of first when they think of Meg Ryan. In the Cut. <laughs> I mean, certain guys think of In the Cut first when they think of Meg Ryan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? We said it already. Why do you keep doing this? Uh, it's like you had a stroke. God. Dan, are you having trouble? What's going on? Are you having an okay yeah, day? Yeah, Dan, you're getting I'm real mad. Fine, what's Dan. What's the just, uh, guys, I'm, were you, I'm, were I'm you mad at your the, shenanigans were you and your tomfoolery and your... Uh, you seem upset about the reveal of the Hallmark movie you were watching when I came in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what movie was that? Uh, it wasn't a movie. It was a two-hour-long television show, though. I mean, that sounds like a movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was about... <laughs> Dan, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but TV is the new movies. Uh-huh. That's where the real stories are being told. Yeah. It was about, I came in in the middle. It seemed to be about a woman who used to be a prosecutor and now is a therapist, but she still somehow solves mysteries with the police. So I'm I mean, not sure how that works. I think she but. solves mysteries using her acumen of the legal system and her natural tenacity. Mm-hmm. Well, no, okay, I, 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 uh, I stand corrected. <laughs> I understand how she solves mysteries. I don't, I don't understand why she's solving mysteries. Oh, okay, it's just hard to get out of that life, you know. Yeah, she has yeah. that tattoo on her tummy that says "question mark life" in Gothic mm-hmm. script, and she, you know mm-hmm. it's hard to leave that mystery life. So, mm-hmm. guys, we watched a movie called The Meg. We're going to talk about it. This okay. movie is not about Meg Ryan, unless Meg Ryan is a giant shark. Is she? We'll find out. I mean, I haven't seen her in a lot of movies lately. Like, did she become a shark? Yeah, did she do like a Benedict Bandersnatch type CGI adventure mm-hmm. like uh, <laughs> like they did for Smaug? Most of her body is made of cartilage, so. <laughs> it's true. 
That's true. She shares a lot of DNA with sharks, as we all do. Somebody's now, been hitting Meg Ryan's IMDb profile page. <laughs> yeah. It, it, tri- trivia. Made of cartilage. <laughs> uh, now, the Meg is a story about a giant shark that attacks people. And it's uh-huh. like, I wonder why this is such an original story. How have they never made a movie about a big shark that attacks people before? Like Dan? Wait, what? Why? I, I was in the middle of something. Why do you redirect towards me? <laughs> I thought you might know the answer why no one's made that uh, Dan, giant shark what Stuart movie. Just, what Stuart just did is called passing the ball. It's an improv mm-hmm. thing where you yes and what I just said, by which uh-huh. I mean you agree with my premise that no one has ever made a giant shark movie. The joke being that, of course, there are many shark movies, the most famous being Jaws and its sequels, mm-hmm. a uh-huh. very famous movie that at one point was the most successful film of all time. And then you would and it. By then adding to this hypothetical situation, the irony of which is, of course, that the audience is fully aware that Jaws exists and that Uh we're having a little bit of a goof. Now, Stuart, pass the ball to you. It's much Mm -hmm. like a game of basketball wherein I feel like you were in the middle of a sentence in a bit and Stuart interrupted it to willfully redirect to me who had nothing to say and was distracted by a cat on the table. You're probably (laughs) thinking about Orca the Killer Whale and you're like, is that about a shark? (laughs) No, I think in the title it says Killer Whale. That's not a shark. You were thinking about the movie Swimming with Sharks starring your favorite actor, Kevin Spacey. You love him as much today as you always do. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, starring your favorite actor, Frank Whaley. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do love Frank Whaley. Like, he's a really good actor. He's good. Uh, Now, it raises the question, have I seen Frank Whaley live on stage in a play? Yes, I have, in a play with mm-hmm. Marissa Tomei. Anyway, we mm-hmm. don't need to get into that, but it was a Wallace Shawn play. It was one of his earlier plays. Okay, so, Dan. Yeah. Shark movies. What's uh-huh. your favorite shark movie? If you say The Meg, I'll be very surprised. I mean, it's, it's Jaws, right? It's got to be Jaws. I think mm. you mean A Shark Tale. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I think that you were thinking, when you said Jaws, I was thinking of A Shark Tale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so The Meg is a, it's like not really a thriller because it's not, it's an action movie and it has all the excitement you expect from a movie directed by John Turtletob, director of mm-hmm. such thrilling action films as Cool Runnings and While You Were Sleeping and Disney's yeah. The Kid. Uh-huh. Now, uh, here's the, here's, I'm going to spoil it. I feel like when you have a name that looks a lot like Turtletob. You're not you're not going to be known for doing speedy action adventures. No, but they probably thought that he was good for things that live in water. That's like, true. Oh, yeah, yeah, like a tub of turtles, like on you know, on a street in Chinatown that someone's selling, just mm-hmm. full of water, and there's turtles in it. Get a guy who knows yeah. water. Now, let me just say something about this. The Meg is a movie about a giant shark that is not scary at all. Mm-hmm. Did you guys feel that that it was ever scary? Uh, you know, Elliot, I think this is my rule of thing of things being too large. I need to catch your name for that rule, but mm-hmm. let's just go with the rule of things being too large right now. Let's call it uh, Dan's fear of large rule. Yes. That's not any catchier. <laughs> You're right. Uh, what, what, uh, well, what's, what's a better name for it? than? Uh, uh, I mean, it could just be McCoy's Law. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which is that if a thing gets too large, it's not scary anymore. Uh, what uh-huh. about a tumor? A what? A tumor. Oh, a tumor. Yeah, all right. Well, what about you, uh, what about a national deficit? You found the exception <laughs> that proves the rule. Uh, but you're right. I think you're right that once the shark is ludicrously large, it's no longer scary because it can't hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, The Meg is a movie where the shark can never, like, sneak up on somebody because it's the size of a train. <laughs> so, <laughs> I believe this movie proves you incorrect on that one. <laughs> I guess you're right. It's uh, But these are very dumb people in the movie. Should we just jump into the water, yeah, as it yeah, were? Yeah, let's even, jump in the deep end. 
knowing that there's a giant Meg in it, which is, of but, course, as we all know, short for Megan McCain. Yep, Megan Megan Mullally. Let's let's jump in like former professional diver Jason Statham dives into the movie. Yeah, he was her and 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 competitive swimmer Jason yeah. Statham in real life. So that was the most interesting thing about this movie was me thinking about Jason Statham as a competitive swimmer when he was younger. Okay, the movie starts when Jason Statham and his character Jonas Taylor, because I think they needed a character whose first name was an anagram for the actor's first name because he kept not knowing when it was his turn to talk. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. they would be his characters originally I assume named Tom and they were like mm-hmm. Tom what are we gonna do and he would just be staring off into space they go uh-huh. Jason Jason we need a name that sounds more like Jason what are we gonna do and they probably want to tie it in with like Jonah and the whale oh yeah good point and also uh, the Jonas Brothers oh I am can only assume yeah uh, so Jason Statham Jonas Taylor he's investigating a maritime wreck that has some survivors inside it it's at the bottom of the sea he's a deep sea rescue diver but uh oh Something starts attacking the sunken sub that they're going in, and Jason mm-hmm. Statham has to leave some of his men behind to save the rest, and he's accused of cowardice by a Dr. Heller, who is also- Or having, or having like, a deep madness. Yeah, and now, like, <laughs> the person I was watching this movie with, uh, they pointed out that was, the- Wait, was their name Meg? Was it Meg Ryan? Yeah, it was Meg Ryan. <laughs> and Meg, I, was she like, oh, am I in this? Great. I love watching <laughs> I kept, I'm in, like, in the cut. I kept poking her to make sure that- uh, I was right that her skin was made mostly of cartilage, uh-huh. and I was. Okay. Uh, but, no, she pointed out that uh, the submarine that they're rescuing the people from blows up immediately after the rescue happens. Uh-huh. And the guy's like, we could have saved everyone. Why didn't you save everyone? It's just like, well, you can see with your eyes that the submarine just fucking blew up like immediately after this happened. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it just seemed like this guy spends most of the time uh, judging Jason Statham for no reason whatsoever. Well, when I feel like there's plenty of other reasons to judge Jason, Jonas Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's the character who exists only to help put – only to not believe the main character. I mean Jason Statham does say that a giant prehistoric shark atta- or some kind of giant monster attacked the sub. And mm-hmm. he's like, "Ah, eh, you imagined it. You, uh, you're just a scary. You're just scared of everything." But that character basically just exists so Jason Statham can have like a critic that he has to push back against. Uh, much like I assume he pushed back against the critics who saw the Meg, mm-hmm. who I don't think gave it very many good reviews. Okay, uh, then cut to, I guess the present or the future. It's unclear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when, five years later. It is five years later. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a helicopter that flies to an offshore research station using at minimum 100 different shots. It's mm-hmm. like that part in Taken where Liam Neeson jumps over a fence and they use like 15 or 16 different shots. It's like that <laughs> yep. with this helicopter. It's just like so many different shots this helicopter. And you're like, I get it. You rented a helicopter. You wanted to make the most of it. Okay. Sometimes sometimes it requires a lot of different angles in order to make uh, – <laughs> To make Liam Neeson's body appear like it's moving at any kind of speed. <laughs> uh, now, in the, the helicopter is delivering Rain Wilson, who is a billionaire, who uh-huh. has been funding a marine biology station run by a Dr. Zhang and his mm-hmm. daughter, who is a marine biologist, and his daughter's daughter, who is a little girl, who is somehow at a marine biology underwater experimental station yeah. that is at risk of being attacked by a giant shark. I mean, Ellie, you know how much uh, it costs to have childcare. Yeah. Very, that's true. That's very true. But, She's uh, a single parent, Elliot. Her husband ran off with a Pilates instructor. Yep, they do make that very clear. Uh, I mean, it's 
I, maybe it was take your daughter to work life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good thing you weren't on that research station. They would have been cracking up. Oh, they would have been. I mean, I would have been like, it's a good thing we're underwater because there's a lot of burns going on down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So anyway, they look at some whales to impress the billionaire. And the billionaire is introduced to the whole crew of the station at once. It's a ton of characters to get to know. And yep. I'm not going to bother naming them now. Uh, there's a sense, but I will mention there's like, there's just a whole crew of people. We'll meet them as we go on. Anyway, there he has been funding their investigation of the Marianas Trench, which Dr. Zhang believes is actually deeper than anyone thinks. And that what we think is the floor of the trench is actually a layer of some kind of chemical that traps heat and holds underneath it a hidden lost world of gods and monsters. Oh, cool. A, 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 an aquatic savage land, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Which is something that he explains to the billionaire. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, what has the billionaire thought he's been funding? <laughs> like, he, why he does he was, need to? He, he thought it was like the next Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, this will let people send pictures of themselves underwater and put animations on it, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna th- I think we should go IPO. Before we do that, why don't you fly over and see what we actually do? <laughs> but, yeah, you'd think he would know all that stuff. Uh, there's a lot of maritime exploring that you see, and uh, they they go through that. They go through that that barrier, and they find oh, it is a lost world. There's lots of fish here. And uh-huh. for a while, I was like, oh, did James Cameron make this? Because it's certainly thinks we love seeing coral and fish forever. Uh, yeah, and, and the music is like makes it is like ah, like it's as if this is the most amazing discovery. When to yeah. be honest, I couldn't tell the difference between what they found and the normal bottom of the sea. <laughs> it was like I they, see they weren't so introducing special. they weren't introducing any kind of like deep sea life that we haven't seen before. No, there weren't like mermaids and like gnar octopuses or anything uh-huh. like that. Um, I mean, I, I feel like the music was mainly there because if you look around, there's no garbage to be seen at all. <laughs> You're like, oh wow, the sea's clean again. <laughs> this is amazing. It's not full of tires. That, I guess that was that's worth a miracle sound. Uh oh, something attacks the sub and disables it. It's at 11,000 feet underwater, and they only have 18 hours to save it before it runs out of oxygen. Only one man's ever pulled off a rescue that deep. Hey, Dan, one guess who it is. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, That's America's right. sweetheart. Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Let me not, out that trench. Not a, not a character, but the actor Jimmy Stewart. They have to dig up his body and reanimate him so that he can reenact his amazing dive, deep-sea dive rescue that he did, I guess, between the making of The Man Who too, Knew Too Much and Vertigo, when he was, you know, an older man, but he was in that prime yeah. of life. And so he's like, well, I see you got a problem with a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. What, 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 what were you doing down there, looking for some kind of lost world? And uh, they say, oh, no, yeah, it's, you, you, we went through this barrier, and there's a whole warm world down there. It's volcanic vents and stuff. And he's like, well, did you find any interesting new types of life? And they go, no. <laughs> It looks exactly like the rest of the ocean. <laughs> He's like, well, that was a waste of my time. And he killed himself so he wouldn't help them with the deep sea dive. So, now, now, of course, it's Jason Statham, which uh, brings up a problem I have with movies like this, which is like the whole opening sequence. Like, why does Jason Statham need to have a backstory with this shark already? Like, can't the movie just be about how Jason Statham encounters a huge shark? Uh, why does it no. have to be like some sort of redemption for his past uh, Dan's uh, TTIP, this time it's personal. Oh, I see. Yeah. Also, uh, PYT, personal mm-hmm. young thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's, I think that's a good, well, it's because they want to set up the idea that Jason Statham is now a wreck of a man and he refuses the job because he's had this bad experience. But now, he's in amazing they, shape. He has they a, find him in a th- day. Yeah, they find him in Thailand and. <laughs> 
He's in a bar just hanging out, looking amazing, drinking <laughs> arguably one beer a day, maybe two. Uh, but man, he's just so cut up and he gets on his little mini bike and he's driving through town, like smiling at all the kids that and are walking by. And they all love him. They're and like, I Jonas, I, Jonas, we love you. You're the most famous man in Thailand. I could have watched like 20 more minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the most entertaining part of the movie, but you're right, Dan. It, especially why do they go to all that trouble then to show that Jonas is enjoying life and not really dealing with his demons at all? Yeah. It's like they're going through the motions of, oh, he needs a redemption story. And also we need to have him be reluctant to take on this mission. But he does it right away. He barely rejects it because the the captain of that submarine that got crushed, it's his ex-wife, Lori. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never marry someone who's in the same deep sea diving profession that you are. Uh-huh. That just goes without saying. Look, you never want to marry someone in the same profession that you're in, unless I guess you're the Coen brothers and you just or work together me. so well <laughs> that you get married. Or, or you, Stuart. Well, but you each have your you have your his and hers bars. Like I'll never get back behind the bar. Uh, somebody's trapped behind the bar. It's your wife. <laughs> uh Oh, I'm getting back behind that bar. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, in the submarine, they manage to get the lights back on in the in the crushed sub, but it attracts the monster, and Lori gets stabbed by something. I'm not quite sure what it I'm, was. I missed this because this was when uh, I was googling. Are sharks attracted to light? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's and something that is made clear apparently I was reading about the movie something that's made clear in the book is that living at the bottom of the ocean the shark does not have strong eyes like its eyes are very weak and it cannot handle sunlight so mm-hmm. it, you'd think it would go away from light but instead it's attracted to it and wants to eat it but i that i mean you do have like angler fishes use lights to attract yeah. fish to eat them so i guess it might be attracted by light now dan yeah. you were saying what the does she su- get stabbed by the the submersible gets jostled around by whatever it is and uh, she gets stabbed by whatever by it. it is it's the meg dan you don't believe it <laughs> <laughs> what are you like, Doctor Hellery? You don't. You're a, you're a Meg doubter. You're the Alex Jones of Megs's. She gets stabbed by a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Like a orange juice and vodka. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, I'm impressed that you're familiar with that drink, Elliot. I really only know it because they mention it. I think in a Faulty Towers episode. They do. But, um, okay. Yeah, in the, episode, the Waldorf salad episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now, it's also the only reason I know that a Waldorf salad has apples and grapes and nuts in it. I think mm-hmm. is because they mentioned in the episode. Okay, now. She's stabbed, and they're leaking oxygen. Oh, boy. The biologist, the daughter of Dr. Zhang, Suyin, she leaves her young daughter on the station so she can use a sea glider to go after the sub. Statham shows up, bonds with the precocious little girl for a moment, and then makes his own dive. He sets his submarine to extreme danger and then Mm -hmm. turns (laughs) off the communication system even though they still work. Yeah, he he cracks open a bag of Doritos, slams (laughs) a fucking Powerade. Yeah, he does the do, and then just it just gets going. But they make a big deal out. He's like, I'm diverting all the power to, I don't know, my boosters so I can drop faster. They're like, that's very dangerous. He goes, I'm cutting the comms, but then his sub is fine, and also they can still talk to him. So it doesn't, it, I don't get what was happening there. Can we, okay. I feel like this is a good time to address the quality of communication equipment in this movie. <laughs> they go deeper than anyone's ever gone before. And they have crystal clear fucking comms. Audio like, and visual. Is, yeah, it's Th- wild. They have better reception at the bottom of the ocean than you and I and Dan have with this Skype call. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and it, but I, I mean, maybe. So what you're saying is that they should just start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it should be called, uh, I don't know. Yes. They need, first, they need, first they need three white guys. <laughs> uh, and they have to send them to the bottom of the ocean to talk about I guess like unsolved crimes or like true life murders. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they call it like, and they call it like, uh, 
uh, Soggy Corpse Boys or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, here's something that happened to real people. And they it ruins their lives. But we think it's kind of funny. And we've never really dealt with too much conflict in our own life. So we don't empathize with them. Anyway, or maybe it's called like, it's called like a Chapo Subhouse. Oh, and wow. They li- taking, a, taking a shot. They're underwater and they have very uh, strong feelings about politics that are like not always rooted in fact, but then who's on? <laughs> anyway, so, but uh, they have a, this movie, it's so, the technology in it is so shiny and so perfect that it made I mean, me wonder, it looks more like uh, Star Wars stuff. It, like, it looks like they're on, what's the, what's the cloning planet? That they go to in the prequels, Camino. Camino. They, it looks like they're on El Camino, and like <laughs> they have just amazing shiny. This is the shiniest movie about a shark. Like it's hard to be scared of anything when it's so brightly lit everywhere, and everything is just so shiny and and new looking. Uh-huh. But, they're being know, maybe, funded by Rain Wilson, the world's most unlikely billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> they never explain why he's a billionaire, and he's also such a bumbling oaf. Most yeah. of the time that it's like, I mean, like he's a caricature of like a billionaire who doesn't shave and wears T-shirts and stuff. But it's the whole time I was like, I don't I don't know what you had made money in. I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, so we so, have a giant squid attack. And so then so all of a sudden the giant squid gets killed and you're like, what could kill a giant squid? And Statham says it's a, it's a it's a megalodon. It's the Meg. It's a prehistoric shark. And they're not really, it's all pretty, I, my note here is it's all pretty casual and not spooky or scary. Like there's no, there's no real tension. It's just like a squid. Ah, here comes the shark. Oh, it's a megalodon. Oh, okay. Well, we got this big shark to deal with. What are we going to do, guys? Uh, and it's, it's kind of tough because you don't, you don't see it next to a normal style shark right away. So the, at first I'm like, that ain't that big. That's actually, that's a very good point. The scale of the shark it, until the end of the movie, I never really got a sense of how big it was for that mm-hmm. reason. There's not a lot to compare it to in the ocean. And until the end, when the shark seems to be about 7 million feet long and it's mm-hmm. just eating up an entire beachfront with its mouth. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, this thing is that, like they should have made the shark so big that it was like eating islands and things like that. Then maybe yeah. it would be a little scary. But it just seems like a slightly larger than average shark and not like. Yeah, yeah if, if it was so big that like people started worshiping it and then you had to deal with sea <laughs> madness and yeah. somehow it would like it would spit out gold coins and then people would harvest those gold whatever. You know, you know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about, Dan. And the only way to kill <laughs> it <Do> is, I? <laughs> the only the only way to kill it is to jump up through its cloaca and get to one of its three hearts and mm-hmm. uh you have to wrap a magic scroll that was blessed by a priest around it. Mm-hmm. And that's but when what, you're deep when you're deep inside its body, time kind of slows down, it enters a different <laughs> dimension. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and your and the Meg uses its its mega shark brain to send all of your own fears back at you and make you relive yeah. the worst moments of your life. Uh very uh like, you know, into the at the end of Into the Spider-Verse, kind of. That's basically what should happen inside the Meg. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh someone has to relive something at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Uh Jason Statham, he diverts the Megalodon with by firing some flares off, and Su Yin escapes back to the station. Great. Jonas pulls Lori into his sub. Uh, and also a big guy called The Wall. Uh, but their other crew member, Toshi, he sacrifices himself so he can get away. they can get away. Played by and, the guy from Heroes, right? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. And, and uh, so this was a moment where they lost one of their team 
Literally because when they first open up the hatch, Jason Statham like bullshits with his ex-wife for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like tell, well, they tell some fucking jokes. If they hadn't done that, they would have been fine. Yeah, there's there's a real lack of uh, urgency with almost everything in a movie in the movie, but also especially with this last minute rescue while they are afraid a giant shark might come back to them. Uh, the uh, Toshi is destroyed. I think the sub is, explodes again. And Suyin blames Statham for Toshi's death, but Dr. Heller apologizes to Jonas because there was a giant shark. He was wrong. Yeah. And he goes, it, you may be crazy, you may be a jerk, but you're no coward. But it seems like someone always has to be, like one person has to be angry at Jason Statham at a time. Like they well, just subbed out one person for another person. Well, that's the law of conservation of anger at, at Jason Statham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you, anger at Jason Statham can neither be created nor destroyed. There's a set amount of it in the universe, and it has to be passed from person to person. And that's uh. why, by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, Su Yin is now in a relationship, kind of, with Jason Statham. But that's because the anger had been passed to me, being angry mm-hmm. at Jason Statham for being such a big star that I guess he could get this movie finally greenlit and made by being mm-hmm. attached to it. Uh, the mm-hmm. next day, Su Yin apologizes to a just-showered Jason Statham, who's wearing a towel, and his body, I have to say, is frankly horrifying to me. Like, it is, <laughs> there's a certain point when somebody is, their muscles are so worked out that they no longer appear like a pleasing human shape. And mm-hmm. I was like, how do I explain his body? Because I should say he's in really good shape, but he's not, the sh- he's healthy, but the shape of his body is not good. Like, it has some, his abs have some kind of non-Euclidean geometry that I could not stare at for too long for fear that I would lose control of my sanity and become mm-hmm. not but a, another gibbering victim of Jason Statham's abs. So did yeah. it strike you guys the same way or was it just me? I don't know. I mean, I took a picture and that's going to be my inspirational photo I look at every time before I go to the gym. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. Then I apologize for what I said. <laughs> no, you can you can feel that way. I mean, Elliot, sometimes you just have to suck it up and understand that's what an ideal male body looks like. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I just, I didn't realize that an ideal male body would be so like lumpy and veiny. sharp yeah yeah. Oh, yeah very sharp it's got to be super vascular <laughs> that's what we're all going for is that vascular look because <laughs> we all want to look like swamp thing but colored pink yeah 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 uh, start with swamp thing and work backwards yeah so it's like I'll, you go I'll, i go to the gym and i'm talking to my personal trainer and I'm like, they're like do you have like yeah do you have like an ideal image and i show them swamp thing and i'm like uh add a nose onto that and because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first they started sweating they're like oh fuck how am i gonna deal with, how am i gonna give him face tendrils <laughs> how am i <laughs> how am i gonna remo- remove his nose and also have all those rutabagas growing out of his shoulder how, how like, am i gonna how, how am i gonna remove Everything that actually makes him human and replace it with <laughs> him being a sentient plant that just thinks he's human. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, okay, well, we have a work at, like, we have Soul Cycle class that gets you in touch with the green. Okay. They're like, uh, now, how open are you to uh, just wearing a big rubber latex suit and pretending that it's your body? And I'm like, hey, whatever gets me the babes, am I right? And then I high five the the personal trainer, and then he goes back to the office, and he's like, "Can somebody else handle this guy? Because I, I, I I'm not into moral- I'm not into his toxic masculinity. Exactly, I have moral reasons for not wanting to deal with this. And eventually, it just becomes me being the guy who hangs out in the locker room wearing a t shirt <laughs> but no pants, and just yeah. kind of like always stretching and just kind of maybe even rolling deodorant on my undercarriage uh, in front of other guys. Uh, I do you- like the idea of a personal trainer who, on the first like first session, every time he's like. So we could work out or now stick with me. 
And then he pulls out one of those like fake muscle suits and he's like, you could just wear this. <laughs> he's got, he's like, now, okay, you just got the, uh, you don't have the gold package. You just got the bronze package. So you don't get the full suit, but I'll help you arrange this pillow under your shirt so it looks like pecs. And I'm like, it keeps falling and looking like a belly. Hey, man. Upgrade to the silver package, and maybe I can help you with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe people assume it's a gas tank for a love machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I assume that's what hap- that's what like Jack Lalane would do, right? Yeah. Uh. So anyway, which Jack Lalane's name in in Spanish just means the lane. Oh, uh, no thanks. kidding. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway, wouldn't that be French? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, La La. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, huh? you're right. In French, though, it also means the lane. It's a cognate. So Suyin explains to everyone else what a megalodon is. With I have to admit, some pretty boss illustrations. Of yeah, I was like eating things. What, what is this program that they're using? <laughs> like, I mean, Google they, image search, it. I assume. And I do but love they, how they seem the, to have this like queued up pretty quick. Like. Uh, <laughs> And they have in the uh, while they're giving the speech about how, you know, what the Megalodon is and how they have to do it for their fallen brother, Toshi. There's a picture of Toshi in the upper corner of the screen. (laughs) You got to remember him just because they've already forgotten him. Uh, Now, now we can learn. So we've learned a couple of the members of the crew. There's Lori, who's in the hospital now. Toshi, deceased. The wall, who's a big fat guy with a ponytail. Uh, The other person I think we haven't met yet is DJ who is uh-huh. the black member of the crew. And I'm just going to call out, guys, there's a whole bit later about how he can't swim, and he accuses someone else of being racist because he can't swim. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to get into it. I got into enough trouble on Reddit when I mentioned it uh-huh. in the, the Humanity Bureau, so I'm not going to mention how totally crazy that stereotype is they played into. Okay, so Rain Wilson is like, we need to go after that Megalodon and make money off of it. And Jonas is like, no. The Meg is unstoppable. Now, the rest of the movie is proves Jason Statham wrong because the Meg proves to be completely stoppable. Uh, but also, Rain Wilson gets proved wrong, and I guess we'll see how he gets his comeuppance. Now, while they argue, the but I'm also fight, like, I'm a little unsure what Rain Wilson thinks uh, is marketable about the Meg. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe he thinks it's maybe he thinks it's full of blubber oil, and he can sell it to, for lamps. Like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's, it's not. It is, this is not like Deep Blue Sea where they're searching for an Alzheimer's cure by like enlarging sharks. Like there's no, there's no inherent value in a, in a large shark here. Well, he, he's like, imagine the size of that fin. Imagine how much soup at a Chinese wedding I could be serving if I had a fin that yeah. size. There's well, a – and there's a – around now is when they have a little sequence where the uh, the granddaughter of the, the head research guy – uh, my young, I think is her name, is wandering through the uh, the glass lined tube hallways with her light up shoes and light up toy that looks like a BB-8 without a head, and she's wearing little angel wings and she walks around and there's tons of shit just sitting around these hallways. It's like blocking <laughs> her toy, and uh, then we see floating up behind her, behind the glass. We got a creepy shark sneaking up on her, and it's a giant megalodon face. And then it bites the glass, and it's awesome, right? Yep, uh, totally, totally sure. cool. And then I do like that we, yeah, we get like a little shark cam for a second where it's like the shark is sneaking up on her. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to wonder who it is. Is that Michael Myers swimming through the water to get yep. to the station? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, before we get to the rest of the movie, I, I think there was a deleted. I actually watched the DVD. And there was oh. a deleted scene that kind of explains how he was going to make money, where Rain Wilson makes a secret phone call 
to there's like this this person who's in the shadows. You can't see their face, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I need more cartilage. Get me more cartilage." And mm-hmm. He's like, "I can get you a shark. I need more cartilage than a regular shark." And then hangs up, and she turns and it's Meg Ryan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that kind of explains then, how he's going to make money a- off the Meg. And they were planning on throwing the title card up right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and uh, that's why there's also a deleted scene at the very end where uh, we learn that she is breeding megalodons, and she turns to the camera and goes, "I'm the Meg." <laughs> that's the end of it. <laughs> I'm the real Meg. And then she cocks a shotgun for some reason. Uh, yeah. So while they're arguing, the shark tries to eat my Ying or my Young. Uh, I also forgot what her name is exactly. Uh, the, Meg is just attacking boats now on the open seas because she's loose like a goose and she wrecks a shark poaching boat and the good guys find it and it's like they think there's some kind of, like, she did it on purpose for poetic justice. I love Megalodon it. knew it was a I shark l- poaching boat. I love the idea of turning the Megalodon into that kind of, like, horror movie villain who's also kind of a hero. Like, like yeah, Freddy Krueger's bad, but he also kills assholes sometimes. <laughs> Well, and he's getting revenge on being murdered. Although I guess yeah. he was murdered because he was a child molester. Really, there's there's no there's no there's no good people in the Nightmare on Elm Street universe. Except oh wow! Um, yeah, except of course who? Uh, his 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 brother Eddie Krueger. Okay, Eddie and the Krugers. Yeah, <laughs> of the band Eddie and the Krugers. Uh, so. Uh, now, Jason Statham, he's got to swim up to the shark and hit it with a tracking dart. The Meg almost eats him. One of several times that the Meg almost eats him, to the point where I think he's like, yawn, ho-hum, almost eaten by a shark. Uh, Suyin goes down in a plastic shark tank to try to attract the Meg and shoot it full of poison, but it tries to swallow the cage, and uh, Statham has to dive in and save her. And you keep thinking the Meg is finally going to eat one of these characters, <laughs> and up to this point, it's you, he like just will not do it. There's, oh, I forgot. There's another, there's this woman who's like the hacker on, uh-huh. on board. Yeah, the, Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose, yeah. Ruby Rose, who is like. She's like your go-to person if you need like a cool assassin or a hacker or, I don't know. Yeah, she a just. Tat, a tattoo haver. Yeah, mm-hmm. she just kind of stepped out of Johnny Mnemonic. I mean, Flophouse listeners will remember her from X Return of Xander Cage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and John Wick 2, Two Shades of John Wick. <laughs> Yeah, John Wick Two, uh, Blue Orchid, uh, or whatever it was, and that, yeah. so the Wild uh, Orchid. Wild Orchid. What was the blue one I'm thinking about? Blue Jasmine. Oh, what's Blue Jasmine? <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. John Wick Two, Blue Jasmine. <laughs> now, which is about, which is actually about John Wick has his mental breakdown after his after he turns in his husband for insider trading or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Uh, once again, Jason Statham's got a saver and almost gets eaten by the Meg. Uh, Suyin and Jonas narrowly escape, but you know what? They catch the Meg. Then another Meg shows up. Ah! So there's more than one Meg is I guess what I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they are actually, they catch the Meg and they have it rigged up on a chain and the wall is like taking a goofy like novelty yeah. picture. Once again, it. the wall is the name of a character, not like a, like a physical wall. Yeah, it's not. It's they didn't hold up a copy of the album "The Wall" or anything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, the uh, it's not this wall we've been hearing about in the news all these all this time. Uh-huh. Topical, anyway. Uh, that so, but that and then another Meg shows up, capsizes the boat. DJ reveals he can't swim. The wall finally is dead, uh, eaten by a shark, like the giant meatball that he is. I mean, a shark. <laughs> let's let's, let's wow. be honest. Like, <laughs> Ellie's like, he's fulfilled his. His his destiny as a larger man to be like, eaten by a shark. Look, 
Let me just say, a man that large has no right going into a submarine, which by its very nature is a confined space that does not have a lot of air in it, and two, going into the ocean where he is essentially just a floating meatball for a shot. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the first day of his personal training, and the personal trainer's like, but now we, we might want to consider option C. Why don't we lean into being a meatball? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess put it on the internet. Elliot thinks larger people should be eaten by sharks. Uh, Dan, I didn't say that. I said larger people should not go into submarines. That's okay. a different thing. And that also to a shark's point of view, let's say you're a shark, Dan. You're just wa- you're swimming around. Let's say walking around. You're just walking uh-huh. Double around down on fins. it. You're just walking around like Jabberjaw in your tail fins. And you're, you see a normal human shape and you're like, eh, doesn't look like food to me and then you see kind of like a really big round guy your uh-huh. jabberjaw would be like ah oh, a meatball yuck, 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 and go and eat it and then he'd have human blood all over his face while he plays with the neptunes when they're opening for eddie and the krugers in some kind of nostalgia tour uh elliot's trying really hard to convince us that the, that larger people should be eaten like meatballs by sharks so <laughs> yeah. i don't know if it's working <laughs> Now, why didn't Jabberjaw eat the other members of this band if he was going to eat any people? Like they're uh, right there. They, they, they've. He's he's earned their trust, and now he can he can snap the trap. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know how long it took him to assemble just the right elements for that band? He needed, oh, okay. It takes chemistry. It takes a shared sonic profile, but with a little bit of contrast. Mm-hmm. It takes getting characters who are very clearly knockoffs of the Scooby Doo Gang because he didn't want to work that hard at it. Yeah. If he's if as at that point if he's going to eat them, then where does his band go? Does he become a solo artist? You really think anyone's going to buy tickets to go see Jabberjaw just wailing on the drums by himself? He's not I mean, Ginger Baker, Dan. He's I no mean, Ginger he a, Baker. He is a he's a shark. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying people would pay money to see a shark play the drums? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a solid. That's probably very true. Okay, I'll give you that. Also, let me keep in mind. Also, the shark talks, and he sounds like Curly from the Three, Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. You think that would still be enough novelty for someone to pay for a ticket? What's <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that? Is there any additional novelty? Does occasionally a Martian character show up, or a Captain Caveman? <laughs> oh yeah, he also yeah, and he and he solves mysteries, and maybe he's a wacky racer. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so. The- so, like at this point in the movie, we're about halfway through, this and is, this is I the think the where... movie's kind of leaning. I mean, I guess we, we we now have characters really starting to die, but uh-huh. like it's also kind of leaning into this like rom com subplot, right? Yeah, between Jason Statham and Su Yin, where yeah. they, they're falling in love. Meanwhile, Su Yin's dad, Doctor Zhang, he's injured. He's uh-huh. and that's not good. And Doctor Heller, who hated Jonas Taylor all this time. Uh-huh. sacrifices himself to save Ruby Rose from mm-hmm. the shark. Uh, and this is the part where, as Stuart said, the scariest thing happened in the mm-hmm. movie. I noticed there were still 40 minutes left in its <laughs> runtime. But yeah, it's, they'll take, they'll have all these characters die, and then they'll suddenly have the characters just kind of, the living characters banter with each other. Like, a bunch of characters die, and, the, and Ruby Rose is soaked from being in the ocean, almost eaten by a shark, and DJ is like, hey, what happened to your hair? And I wanted her to be like, did you just see what the hell happened to me? Uh, I was almost eaten by a shark in the ocean, and then a man gave his life to save me. But then you'll uh-huh. have Jonas. The, the guy who, at this point, answering. is probably more necessary than her because he, like, uh, they the specifically doctor? say, we need a doctor. And then the doctor's like, my life is better given as a shark treat. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, yeah, I better save this, this uh, hacker so she can be in other movies as a cool dude. Uh, they all leave on speedboat rafts. Uh, uh-huh. 
Now, and, uh, and the speedboats were procu- uh, procured by uh, Jason Statham's friend named Mac, which I think if you're going to make a movie called The, the Meg, <laughs> probably not name another main character Mac because they sound very similar. <laughs> so you're, you're saying each time he said Mac, you thought he was talking directly to The Meg and asking yeah. him for help? <laughs> yeah. You were like, they should have called this movie The Mac and been yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's never been no movies called that, right? Of course this is. Haven't. This is the studio note that Stuart would have got given. <laughs> He's just like, otherwise, script is perfect. <laughs> perfect. See, I think you would have, should have steered into it. It should have been Mac, Mick, Nick, mm-hmm. Rick, yep. and also a character named Oleg, mm-hmm. a character, na- character just named Leg, like mm-hmm. Legs Diamond. Yeah. Uh, Le- like, it's like it's like reading uh, like reading Fire and Blood, where you're like, how many Aegons do I have to fucking read about? How do I keep them all straight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, on, uh, Rain Wilson calls in a helicopter to shoot at the second Meg with a with like an Uzi. That doesn't help. Doctor uh-huh. Zhang dies after a father daughter moment where he recognizes that he's proud of her and that she her, surpassed him in her science. Everyone is mourning, and they want also they're mourning, and they also want Jonas to date Su Yin. And, and so, uh, d- he gives her the Matrix of Leadership at this point, right? And then she, yes. then she becomes Su Ying Prime, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a, this is one of those scenes where it's like the little girl is like, "Well, my grandfather died. Jonas, you gonna hit that?" By which I mean my mom. She's mm-hmm. thirsty. She's so thirsty. You think being around all this water, she wouldn't be so thirsty, but it's salt water. She can't drink it. Also, yeah. sex. She wants your D, Jonas. And Jonas <laughs> is like, "You're a little girl, and your grandfather just died. Why are you talking to me like this?" And she's like, "I'm the kind of." Dirty talking little kid that people love in their movies. She doesn't yeah. actually say that stuff, but she does want Jason Statham to have sex with her mom. Uh, meanwhile, Jereen Wilson is like, okay, guys, let's not even deal with this anymore. I've told the Chinese government that there's an enormous prehistoric shark off at its coast. They're sending some destroyers to attack it. And they're like, thank you, Rain Wilson. You're a good man, despite being a capitalist. He's not a good man. He goes out in the middle of the night and has a helicopter throw bombs at the Meg from the sky so that mm-hmm. he can kill it and keep its teeth on his desk. Yeah. Uh, now, the reason he's keeping it secret, by the way, is he's like worried, I guess, about liability. Like he doesn't want to get sued. And I, I know that like their experiments, I guess, broke the thermal layer or whatever that was keeping the Meg down there. But uh-huh. I think it would be pretty hard to uh, build a case against Rain Wilson for a giant shark killing a bunch of people. Yeah. I when mean, Columbo shows up to do the forensics yeah. of this shit. Uh, just one more question. Just one more question. Uh. You said you did not break the thermal barrier at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, and yet, uh, and yet, uh, your shoes from the night in question have thermal barrier on them. Uh, yep. Well, that's just confusing to me. That's just confusing. Well, Lieutenant, uh, I actually uh, soak my shoes in thermal barrier, an unrelated thermal barrier, in order to keep the soles springy and strong. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, just one more question. You're under arrest. <laughs> but. The other thing is on a on a project like this, you gotta assume people signed waivers that like everyone who's going to a privately constructed underwater kingdom has to sign a waiver. The same way that like you know that any James Bond villain has their henchmen sign a shit ton of waivers so that they mm-hmm. can't sue them when the British government sends their agent to destroy their underwater lair and everybody dies in it. Like so the families can't sue Spectre or something like that. Like th- there's no way that they didn't have waivers. So anyway, long story short. They think they killed the Meg. It turns out they killed a whale. The whole thing ends with Rain Wilson falling off a boat and getting mm-hmm. eaten. So our heroes yeah, decide. Yeah, it was great. 
our, our Jason Statham, I guess, having seen that they could kill one Meg, is like, mm-hmm. well, we've got to hunt down and kill this Meg. It's headed towards one of those busy beaches where people are dancing on floating platforms uh-huh. to loud music. And there's also a guy who's running on the top of the water in a giant inflatable ball. Yep. And he is having the time of his life. Guys, mm-hmm. have you ever seen this thing? Like, is it really that fun? Dan? Have I seen it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, have you seen it? <laughs> there was this movie, like The a, Meg, that I watched. Yeah, no, okay. Have you ever seen a real someone's in like a giant hamster ball running on top of the water? <laughs> One, how does it work? Two, yeah. it doesn't seem that fun because the the fun thing about going in the water is like feeling water on you and feeling uh-huh. the sun and the fresh air on you. And he is encased in what is essentially like a fart collecting globe that is <laughs> teasing him with the ocean by not letting him in it. It looks like one of those balls that the people ride around in on Jurassic World, except mm-hmm. you have to walk too. So you're also it also it takes must take a lot of energy to push it, but he's loving it. So is this guy the real villain <laughs> of the Meg? I mean, he kind of does become the villain briefly, but uh the and it's also a it's a it's a beach that's so crowded with people that I it, everyone's having the time of their life, but it seems like it would be terrible. Maybe that's yeah. just the curmudgeon mm-hmm. uh, in me talking, the one who doesn't want to go to a beach crowded with people trying to swim, even though there's uh, tons of people surrounding me all the time. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, when when you go to a crowded beach, you're you you don't usually though encounter people being like, "Whoa, is me? Mm-hmm. This is horrible." Like, outwardly, people are still having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you, they're so, faking it until they're making it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that it's They they are, uh, I don't know, they seem pretty tightly packed together, though. It's like it's like a Tokyo subway train full of uh-huh. beach goers, like that, that tightly packed. Have you ever been to a beach where there are people dancing on floating platforms? Dan? No, I have not. I'm going to have to confirm here, guys. I have not been to one of those beaches. I've, I am kind of convinced that maybe they only exist in movies. Because every uh-huh. movie where there's a lake or a beach or something, there's always a party where people are dancing on a floating platform in their bathing suit, but they're not wet. So they're not mm-hmm. swimming. I yeah. don't know how they got to the platform. And also, how is that fun to just be dancing on a floating platform instead of like swimming? I mean, Guys. I can only assume that they were shooting uh, like an episode of MTV's The Grind or something. <laughs> Wait, that's the premise of Piranha 3D, right? Yeah, they're, sh- well, they're shooting... They're, it's it's spring break at the lake and they're shooting like a girls gone wild type. Yeah. Movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, the anyway, I mean, the premise of Piranha, Piranha 3D is that piranhas are gonna eat Jerry O'Connell's dick and then spit it out at the camera. But, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so, and it delivers on that promise. Yeah. So uh, the movie hits us with a bunch of beach gags. Then Meg shows up to ruin everybody's good time. People are fleeing. They they try to get onto a floating dock for safety. So of course Meg attacks it. But before Meg can eat an annoying kid who has a popsicle in his hand, our heroes lure it away with a recording of a whale song, and Jonas, mm-hmm. using his underwater glider, leads it on a merry chase, and then alter- and then uh, they want to hit it with torpedoes. That doesn't work. A helicopter smashes into the boat for no reason that I could figure out. Yeah. And after a lot of running, Jonas manages to use his glider's dorsal fin to slice open Meg's belly, and then he stabs a harpoon into Meg's eye with his bare yep. hands yeah, that was as awesome. Meg leaps out of the water. And mm-hmm. uh, Meg yells, blood- "From hell's heart, I stab at thee!" Mm-hmm. Uh huh. But then, and then he and the but like he says it with his accent. So Stuart, yeah. what did that sound like? Uh, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess so. Uh, so he's he's kind of like a drunk mall Santa Claus doing this. Yeah. Uh, he's it's like a gravelly rock man voice. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the the giant slice down the Meg's belly doesn't kill the Meg. It's it's only when he stabs him in the eye 
like by hand that uh-huh. Meg is. And finally... I don't think either of those things kill the Meg, Dan. It's okay. when a swarm of sharks show up. Oh yeah, its smaller kin show up to devour yeah. its weakened, bloody body. Drawn and by for the a blood. second, for a second, Jason Statham's like, "Feed my friends," and then one of them turns and is like, "I'm going to eat you, Jason Statham." And then luckily, Su Ying shows up and pushes it out of the way with her cool glider that looks a lot like the Naboo spacecrafts in uh, Star Wars: Phantom Menace. Uh, it totally looks this like whole movie is basically like somebody watched the opening, uh, the opening underwater chase in the beginning of Star Wars: Phantom Menace, and was like, "Let's just stretch out and make a whole movie of there's always a bigger fish joke." I mean, that was the whole sec- check section with the squid and the and the shark. Is like I'm like, oh, from Star Wars. Oh, they yeah. they they stole this from Star Wars, and yeah. the whole section with the squid and the whale, where uh, where Suyin is talking about her divorce. That's mm-hmm. basically stolen from the squid and the whale, which is yeah. a story yeah. about divorce. Yeah. And uh, there's also the part that was stolen from mm-hmm. it's another movie with squid in the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the squid billies. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yes. The part where they're all like rednecks shooting shotguns at each other was stolen yeah. from squid billies. Uh, <laughs> and they all escape in the end. Uh, and the, I wish that the Meg, when it was being eaten by the other sharks, was like, no, but I saved you from the poachers. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh they all escape on a wedding boat, and it says fin at the end, because I assume it's a joke because sharks have fins. Sharks have fins. Like, but it feels like the ultimate fuck you from the filmmakers to end the Meg with a, with a French I mean, title card, as, I mean, if <laughs> as if they were like, and now, a touch of class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the I think the last shot of the movie is we see a tiny little dog that had escaped a wedding boat. Uh, and we had thought had been devoured by the Meg, is in fact alive. Pippin, you survived! Hooray! Yeah, and Jason Statham sees it as if to say, hey, if that dog can keep going in the face of Megalodons, maybe Mm -hmm. I can too. (laughs) Or he was like, I've killed well nigh anything that's swum in these waters, but I haven't (laughs) killed a tiny little dog yet. (laughs) (laughs) And he just stabs in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's just ten minutes of credits. So, guys... Uh, I'm going to say something. This is a corollary, I think, to Dan's uh, when things get too big, they stop being scary law. Mm-hmm. I think when things are too CGI, they stop being scary, too. To uh, me, when, they, when they feel like more and more divorced from reality. Yes, exactly. But again, squid and the whale, yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're in there. It's final judgments time. <laughs> we're, whether this is a- we're in there. <laughs> Whether this we're is in, good, like the belly of the shark. I don't yeah. I'm pretty sure we're in the cut at this point. We're in the cut <laughs> with Meg Ryan, cartilage monster. Uh, <laughs> is this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked? Um, I guess I'll start. I I don't know. I, I, yeah, Dan, give us. So let let's gather around, younglings, and hear what Dan has to say. Uh, yeah, sit, sit sit at his feet and gaze upon the fire, and within its crackling sparks. You shall see illustrations of the manly tale of adventure and Meg watching that Dan has to relate. This legend of the before times when there was a hero some known as, some remember know as, Meg. Uh, this was not a good bad movie. It was not like in like stupid in a way that made me laugh for the most part. Uh, other than like there were some there were some there were some good lines. Like uh, someone at one point said, "I'm gonna need that- some proof at this one." <laughs> someone said. That fossil ate my friend, which is pretty good. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty um, good. 
Uh, I didn't think it was bad, bad necessarily. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. By process of elimination, I kind of like this movie a little bit, but process of eliminate. Well, because you, you mean because it doesn't really fit into this these kind of BS categories that we've. Created. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it it went down smoother than a lot of the movies we watched. I'll say that. Uh, it it was a movie that was so. I mean, for me, I would say similarly, it was not funny enough to be good, bad. It was not. Bad and it was like I would call it bad, bad because I have to, but it's just kind of there. Like it's a movie that just kind of exists and was so kind of dull to me that I didn't have. It was hard for me to to have an opinion on it. And while I was watching it, I was like, "What are we going to talk about with this movie?" It's just kind of like it feels just like a big budget sci fi channel original movie, which is like as far, it's the kind of movie where it's like, "Well, I'm sick home from school. Guess I'll watch this and it'll be fine." Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's like two hours long, so that'll help pass the hours before you die. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, if that's what you're looking for, yeah, in the market for, yeah, Uh, and grandma's in hospice care, put on the Meg. (laughs) Well, it's literally like a Dr. Kevorkian shows up at your house. And, yeah, and you're, you're like, like well, let's show let's show it to Grandma because it's not going to quicken her heart rate any. Yeah. Well, or I was thinking like he shows up and you're like, oh, Jack, finally, my life is I'm in pain. It's such a hell. Hook me up to the machine, and he's like, actually, it's going to take me about two hours to set up the machine. All right, throw the Meg on. <laughs> the uh, I don't know. I I gotta say this was a movie I kind of liked, guys. Uh, it's too long. It doesn't need to be two hours long. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and it. Like, it doesn't really take itself too seriously. You could probably edit out any of the moments where the movie does kind of try and take itself seriously. Um, and it, I mean, it's it's pretty boring. Uh, I kind of wish that uh, going through the, the IMDb, uh, you know, like factual errors that plague this movie, somebody pointed out that if the Meg had been living below, uh, below the water level at like 10,000 feet or whatever, that... If it rose up to the surface, its body couldn't handle the change in pressure, and it would just like <laughs> melt. Just I'm like, that wouldn't have made a very good movie, but I kind of <laughs> wish that had happened. I wish. I like. There must be one where it's like it's like factual errors, goofs. The megalodon is actually extinct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now this is something I'm just learning now, looking up the Wikipedia entry. Is that I didn't realize that the Meg, the original novel, it it is now a series, and uh-huh. so there's. Meg Primal Waters. There's the trench, uh-huh. which is Meg Two, the trench. Meg Primal Waters. I'm gonna skip one that has the best title and come back to it. Meg Origins, which is a prequel that I guess explains how the Meg became giant. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Meg. It's all Meg started Stalkers. with a dinosaur shark. Meg Generations. Something called Meg Purgatory, and the best one is called Meg Hell's Aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I w- if the movie lived up to the names of those novels, then I'd be like, yeah. Throw it on. I mean, my my old roommate used to keep an aquarium that she had her turtles in, and she never fucking cleaned the thing, and it stunk all to hell. And I feel like that's Hell's Aquarium. It's she. It got so gross that she would just leave the turtles in the uh, in the bathtub, and it got my my other roommate got some kind of foot fungus from it. Yeah, I I didn't because my feet are naturally resilient to turtle fungus. <laughs> yeah, and that's how, your and that's Not to brag, I hate to brag, guys, but that's you know one of your powers. Yeah, yeah, it's you know. Well, that's on his Marvel card. Yeah, it's well, it's <laughs> it's one of the first things I bring up when I meet new people. <laughs> All right, uh, let's. So, is it a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or I said uh, I said a movie I kind of liked. <laughs> I kind of liked. Uh, Dan, what do you think? 
I've already scorned. <laughs> this is why I think maybe my favorite bit is making Dan do the thing over again. Uh, so, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Shut up. <laughs> Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. <laughs> Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. Hey, it's Jesse, the host of Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. I'm coming to Portland, Oregon. We're going to be doing a very special live episode of Bullseye, my NPR interview show. It's taking place Friday, February 15th at Revolution Hall. What are you going to see if you go to Portland, Oregon to see this show? You will see me live on stage talking with folks like Corin Tucker from Slater Kinney, director Lance Bangs, writer Bill Oakley, Simpsons legend. Uh, we will also have live music from Roseblood and live comedy from Katie Wen. It's going to be a blast and a half. It's also part of a big podcast festival called Listen Up Portland. Tons of other great podcasts are playing at it too. Our pals, the Doughboys, among others. So again, that's Friday, February 15th at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, 7 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at listenupportland.com. And thanks. All right, now let's do uh, an ad. Okay, How about let's, that? Let's do an ad. Why not? That uh, great. Just, let's I keep would the lights it. on around just this Just for piece. fun. Um, hey. <laughs> hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, how you do you doing? have a product you want to tell me about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. The product this time is Squarespace. Oh, cool. Awesome. With, with Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to sell promote products and services of all kinds, promote great. your physical or online business, announce an upcoming event or special project, and here's the most important bullet point, Elliot, and more. <sighs> Wow. <laughs> that encompasses literally everything so else. Much. Everything from everything from evolving to the next stage of human evolution Lucy style to mm -hmm. just taking a particularly satisfying boob on the toilet. Smell the scent of newly mown grass or finally catching a unicorn. Mm-hmm. And how does Squarespace do this? Well, they do this by giving you beautiful customizable templates. Created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, nothing to patch or upgrade ever, 24-7 award-winning customer support. Hey, make it stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. And listen, head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP. To save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Elliot. Dan, why yes. are you shouting at us? This is usually. <laughs> yeah, you seem really mad at us. This is usually when you come up with a nonsense website. And I'm going to encourage you to do that right now so I can run to the restroom, which I desperately need to do. 
So oh, okay. why don't you come up with a nonsense website but, and then read Dan, that jumbotron Dan, I gave Dan, to you? But Dan, I don't have anything. Maybe you should go on to your next part. No, no, no. I gotta go. No, no, no. I do have a website, Dan. In fact, that right. I just love to talk about. Uh, so here's the thing: we've got a problem with cartilage. We don't have enough of it, and we don't have enough of it for the one specific Elliot, reason. Elliot, Elliot, Dan's gone. We can just talk about something else. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> no, no. I do have a website I want to talk about. So I wanted to start a website called www.therealmeg.com. And of course, it's about Meg Ryan, the real Meg, the one that I care about the most, and that cartilage that she needs so badly Elliot, that Dan was talking Elliot, about. Dan's, Dan's not here anymore. He's, he's in the bathroom. We, we, can, we can talk about normal stuff. We don't have to talk about bits. Dan, so, uh, how, what's more how, you been la- how you what's, been lately? <laughs> what's more normal than needing cartilage in your body? And who needs it more than Meg Ryan? Now, Stuart... What would I tell you if I said there was actually a cartilage shortage in America today? I mean, we we don't have to do this, you know. We can just, <laughs> exactly. you know, just be normal. You'd be horrified. And so that's why Meg Ryan and I have teamed up for the Meg, therealmeg.com, which is a website where people can buy, sell, trade, and learn the news about the cartilage we need to remain superstars forever. Uh, now, Stuart... I mean, we're like friends. Like, we don't have to run bits the whole time. Like, we, uh, we don't see each other that much anymore. So, like, Stuart, maybe we could. There's another one that I wanted to talk about, which was this is a website that uh, I was interested in. I'm uh, hoping that Squarespace, Squarespace can help me with it, which is called uh, www.sharkware.com. Now, sharkware.com. <sighs> yeah. You may think, what do you think it is from the name? I don't know, like, clothes with images of sharks on them. Okay, you got it exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Now, it's a website that helps you locate stores that sell clothes with sharks on them. So it's a little bit of a pun on the word wear. So at Sharkware. Okay, that's, shark, that's actually a so pretty good idea. Let me keep it clear that at sharkware.com, we do not sell shark-based clothing, but we do help you locate shark-based clothing so that you can buy it. And there's a place where you can put in tips for maybe there's a place you know that has shark-based clothing. There's another, There's a place where you can put in your stories, share your pictures and stories of buying or wearing. Oh, yeah. Images people, of sharks I, on them. people love social media. Yeah. So sharkware.com, sharkware.com has a really heavy social media component. Guys, uh, there's another website I want to talk about. Okay. It's called uh-huh. Meg and the Holograms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, guys, we all love Gem and the Holograms. But wouldn't it be better if a member of the band was a giant shark? Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, That's I guess that'd be better. Jaw. That's yeah. Jabberjaw. <laughs> and you're right. It's really www.jabberjawontheholograms.edu. Educating people yeah. about how much better Gem and the Holograms would have you know, been you, if Jabberjaw was... I'm back. You don't need to vamp this much. It's fine. Uh, I, I appreciate jumbo- the effort. No problem. I got a Jumbotron to read now that Dan's back. Yeah. Jumbotron. This Jumbotron is a special personal message from someone to someone. And those people are not named Meg. Segway accomplished this uh-huh. message is for robert and this message is from nicole and robert says even though life took you to kansas i'm glad we still keep in touch i just wanted to let you know how proud i am of you and the wonderful person you have become no matter where life takes you we will always be connected through quoting seinfeld sharing terrible memes and our favorite bad movie wayne's world happy birthday and see you soon now keep in mind that message is not endorsed by me and that I don't think Wayne's World is a bad movie, but otherwise I endorse people keeping in contact even when they go to Kansas. <laughs> even then. Uh yeah, that was that was a nice message. It was. Robert, I may take issue with your your opinion of Wayne's World, but otherwise spot on. Keep it going 
And if you ever need to find clothes with sharks on them, I have a mm-hmm. website you might want to look at. Or if you think Gem and the Holograms might have been better with Jabberjaw in it, another website. Or if you desperately need cartilage, Meg Ryan and I have a website for you. Is, is this just continuing your thing about never making fun of Mike Myers on the uh, on the podcast because someday you hope to meet him and talk about hockey and stuff? Guys, he's married to an ex-murderer. <laughs> I'm scared. I live in yeah. fear. Uh, Dan, uh-huh. do we have any other uh, uh, sponsors, or should I get to our sh- upcoming shows? Yeah, you can plug our live shows if you'd like. We got some live shows on the calendar that Q Janine saying, we got one. Dan, mm-hmm. put that in on the soundboard. Okay. Just edit it. Mm-hmm. Just edit it in. Janine from Ghostbusters going, we got one. And then I just, just have Janine then... from Ghostbusters farting on the soundboard, actually. <laughs> Does that happen? <laughs> no. Did you sneak I special into, ordered that. Did you sneak into Annie Potts' house to, to record that? <laughs> Look, we all have our things, Elliot. Do you think Annie Potts' house has a little placard on her bathroom and it says Annie Potts Pot? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think if anything, it would be in her kitchen on the cabinet. Or on her marijuana. She goes to the bathroom yeah. in her kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> She's like me. <laughs> yep. Guys, sometimes, are just like sometimes us. when you share a bathroom with the person in your life and mm-hmm. they're in there and you just have to go, sometimes you see and you're like, you're doing the little dance and you think you got to go. Sometimes that uh, kitchen sink looks mighty inviting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes you got to go where everybody prepares their food. <laughs> anyway, if I was staying that still, the food would then wind with rude and so forth. Uh, so I like the idea that Stuart, you're like, I'm considerate of my wife. So instead of stinking up the bathroom, <laughs> I use the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying that she's in the bathroom. Okay. So. We got one, and by the way, I mean two shows on the books right now. We'll have more coming up soon to uh, tell you about. But soon, after this episode leaps out of your body, into your uh, it leaps out of the internet into your ears, into your body, <laughs> and it leaps out of your body, chestburster style, <laughs> killing you in front of uh, Sigourney Weaver and Veronica Cartwright. Uh, uh-huh. And the cast on, of Spaceballs. <laughs> yep. Right before you say, check please, Saturday, January 26th, in Madison, Wisconsin, at the University of Wisconsin. It's going to be a really fun show. We're going to be talking about Venom. Oh, yeah. We're going to be in Badger country. Am I going to do a presentation <laughs> about Badgers? Uh, maybe. Uh, on Sunday, February 3rd, we're going to be back at our old homestead in Brooklyn, the Bell House. Now, I know what you're saying. That's Super Bowl Sunday. Aren't you guys worried you're going to miss the game? My brother has already assured me he will text me updates during the show about what's happening in the big game. So look forward to that. We'll be talking about the Happy Time murders. This Super Bowl Sunday, if you want to score a real touchdown, Uh you'll come to our show. Mm-hmm. Goal! <laughs> if you want to hit a real home run into the negative zone, come to our show on Super Bowl Sunday. If you want to do a real whatever it is they do in High Lie, come to mm-hmm. our show. That's so yeah, we're gonna be t- we're gonna be talking about 30. the Happy Time Murders. It's got Melissa McCarthy. It's got puppets. It's got uh, us talking about those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Melissa McCarthy and the puppets will not be at the show. We will just be <laughs> conjuring them with our words, painting I mean, a you, word picture, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you I don't, don't have know, to. You don't have be. to. Yeah, you don't have to tell them that. There's a chance they could show up. Maybe Melissa McCarthy will be in town. and She'll be like, "Oh, I, I, you know, I was in that movie. I'd love to hear what they have to say about it." And mm-hmm. she'll show up. Uh, and maybe she'll be happy with what we have to say. I haven't seen the movie yet. Maybe we'll like it, guys. Um, yeah, there's always... Look, hope springs eternal. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of like the Meg. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, obviously, okay. Slurp doesn't have standards. You know, yeah. they don't like anything. I like just, all kinds of bullshit. Uh, and uh, not a show, but again, just want to remind people, my, my book, Horse Meets Dog, in stores now. Children's book. It's by me, illustrated by Tim Miller, Horse Meets Dog. Dan, what do we do next on this show? Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Dan, do you work for a TV show or anything? Uh, sure. Continue to watch The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't watched it, why not start? And then always, when you're watching it with someone else, just pause it when they have the credits where they say the writer's names. Uh-huh. And then you you point to the screen and tell the person you're watching it with, that's Dan McCoy from the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And then just masturbate furiously. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, while I mean, they watch. I guess, why not? I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, you deserve a little bit of joy in your life. No, uh, not, and I, not while they watch. Dan, you wait till you can do it in private. Yeah. Uh, I will recommend my bar, Hinterlands Bar in Kensington, Brooklyn. Uh, I'm there on Friday nights most of the time. You can come see me. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, what do we do next on this podcast? Next, we... No, no, there's two more segments. Uh Uh-huh. The two lesser popular segments of the show. Uh Oh, wow. Uh, This is the first of those two. It's called Letters. From listeners like you. And this first one is from... Hey, guys, let's ask ourselves, how many letters will we answer tonight? I'm going to say maybe three, because there's three letters in Meg. M-E-G, that's three, that's three. M is for the Meg. And E is for every Meg out there, you're great. And G is for great, the word I use to describe the Meg. That's three letters, M-E-G, that's me, that's three. Letters for you and me. Oh, wait, I forgot. The title of the movie is The Meg, and The has three more letters in it. T. That's for the H. That's for hey, it's the Meg. E. That's for extra Meg. Because there's really more than one Meg in the movie. It should have been called the Megs. Because there's really one more Meg than you thought there'd be. But they didn't go as far as three. Even though that's the number of letters in Meg. And the number of letters will probably answer tonight on the Flophouse, which has a lot of letters in it. I can't count that high. I don't know. I don't know how many letters are in the name, the Flophouse, except I know that the has three. T stands for the Flophouse. H stands for, hey, it's the Flophouse. And E (laughs) stands for every Flophouse. There's just this one. Just this one great flop house for you uh, and me and Dan okay. and Stu and me and you. Three letters tonight. The Meg. Thank you, Elliot, I guess. Uh, Dan, um, your words say thank you, but your tone says go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this first letter is from Karsten, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Karsten Daly, yeah. <coughs> hey, Karsten writes... I found that there are certain sources I tend to pull heavily from while writing adventures for my D&D players. I steal plenty of fantasy... Stuart, I'll handle this one. (laughs) I steal plenty of fantasy elements from Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels and plenty of encounter scenarios from 80s action movies. Are there any genres or works of art you find yourself not only drawing inspiration from, but full-on stealing from in your creative work? Karsten, last name withheld. Um, uh, No one's jumping in, so I'll start. There's, I wrote a. We're thinking about our answers, Dan. Yeah, we're thinking about our answers. You, well, you wrote that screenplay ripoff of that Justin Long movie, right? 
No, I wrote a screenplay and then it <laughs> turned out to be similar to the premise of a Justin Long movie. Okay. Wait, which one was that? Uh, oh, it actually never, I never wrote it. I, I was going to write it. It was about uh, an office where like people who were out, like, out of work could go and pretend that they had a job. Oh. And it was uh, kind of like, undecl- un, un, what was it called? Un- accept- Unde- accepted? Uh, accepted. Except, I mean, called. you you also you did write a screenplay that was a comedy set during a bachelor party. Which mm-hmm. are there any movies like that? Okay, <laughs> I mean that isn't necessarily straight up stealing like this guy's talking about. It's just derivative. Good, good point. Good point. Uh, uh, when do when do you steal in your work? I wrote a spec <laughs> pilot about a theater program at a small college, and. When I was writing the character of the dean, I basically just thought of Jimmy James from News Radio, uh-huh. and it's I was like, character. "This character's great. I'm just stealing it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing is, like, you know, it's filtered through your own voice, so you never mm-hmm. end up like fully. Yeah, especially when it. you're doing Jimmy James cosplay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it, at a certain point, it's just Stephen Root cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that when you 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 know you put your own spin on it, so it turns out being something. Unique, almost by accident. Well, there's someone, there's a, a thing that I think Picasso said, or he said something along the lines of it, which is that you copy something and you botch it up, and in the botch, that's where you find yourself. Yeah. Like, in how you don't accomplish the copy, that's where you find your own style and your own point of view. And Bosch so, is found on Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. Is that a sponsored thing? Or? <laughs> oh, what wow. is that about? I don't know what that movie is. Is that show about Hieronymus Bosch? Like, but it's set nowadays. Yeah, and he, he solves crimes. Yeah. What a great show that would be. If it so was what like- he does is he paints pictures, and it's in the paintings that he all the mysteries are revealed. I mean, Hieronymus Bosch is basically just like grown up. Where's Waldo? Right. Yep. Yep. That's that's how I I learned it when I went to art school. <laughs> what if they did a show that's like? Hieronymus Bosch, but now, and he paints the Garden of Earthly Delights and shows it to a gallery owner, and they're like, yeah, this like painting I s- is hundreds of years old. Like, yeah, you're like, I see him. He's right there. <laughs> <laughs> this, so, so Waldo is, is one of those demons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say that I try not to steal, but of course, I'm in, I, there's, the stuff I work on is inspired by all sorts of stuff, and I'm currently working on a show that's about a, it's set uh, in the White House, and it's this president named Jed it's Bartlett. It's called Dave. And <laughs> well, this president, Jed Bartlett, it has a heart attack. And so Dave Bartlett has to take over. Uh-huh. And he's like an everyman who happens to have the same last name. Sounds uh, a lot like King Ralph to me. Uh, and, well, and then he becomes the king of England. You didn't let me get to that part yet. Okay. Uh, and also, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a murder at 1600. Uh, oh, wow. But he is uh, presumed innocent. But he has absolute power. Yeah, exactly. He has absolute power. And eventually they welcome him to Mooseport. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I am, I'm working on a, I'm currently working on a, developing a show that I hope to be pitching soon. So hopefully I'll be able to announce it someday as a real show. And I've been getting a lot of inspiration from the work of uh, the artist Rick Bartow. So who's a painter who died a few years ago. So, and a sculptor who died. So like, that's inspiration. I'm trying not to steal too directly, but there's imagery in his work that I'm finding uh-huh. is very heavily influencing me in, in the way I'm thinking about this this thing <laughs> I'm working on now. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there was a time, I don't know if it, I'd still do it as much, but there was a time when uh, a lot of the role-playing adventures I was uh, I was creating uh, 
uh, I was, you know, I was taking inspiration and probably borrowing some stuff from uh, the books of uh, fantasy and sci-fi author Dan Abnett, uh-huh. who I think I've mentioned on the on the podcast and, before. And comic book guy, he's one of the two men who made the Guardians of the Galaxy movieable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, I'm mainly referring to his his, his prose, not stuff. his yeah his his Warhammer stuff, but because uh, he was able to take stuff that was. He he's able to with a lot of his Warhammer stuff. He was able to add like depth and nuance and and whatnot to a bunch of statistics, basically, <laughs> to I take think- it above the level of basic, uh, you know, like I don't know, like commissioned writing or whatever. So it's not like those Magic the Gathering novels that came out in the 90s. I mean, I can't make any comment on that. Uh, the the last time I made fun of stuff like that, I was in Forbidden Planet making fun of – I made like some dumb bullshit joke about how they had so many charmed novels. And the guy behind the register is like, it's like, man, we pay our fucking rent with charmed novels. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, shut me up. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe then I'll mention – I'll, I'll compare it then to the Mortal Kombat novel that I read when I was a kid. Which uh-huh. was not a very good. But, <laughs> did you uh, finish it? <laughs> <laughs> I did, but it was hardly a flawless. Uh, also, friendship. But uh, uh-huh. I, th- I think it's okay to steal directly when it's a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I mean, it's one thing to steal professionally uh-huh. uh, to be a sort of like a cat burglar uh, of ideas. But, yeah, and then I think it's not okay. But if you're doing something just for fun, like have Mickey Mouse show up. Like, why not? Like just like steal left and right, you know, mm-hmm. if it's if you're not trying to make money off of it, then go ahead. I think okay. Disney's lawyers would still show up if you're yep. doing a D&D campaign with Mickey Mouse. OK, then do Horace Horse Collar, one of the characters they don't care okay. about. Yeah, there you go. Um, This one is from Ben, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Is it a little, little rat? Yeah. <laughs> we have to assume from the name. Uh <laughs> He writes... It's either that or Fisher Stevens' character from Short Circuit. <laughs> yeah. Dear, as seen on TV, the cast of The Flophouse. Mm-hmm. I finished binge-watching the latest season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I don't skip to the next episode until I happily see Elliot's name in the credits. Thanks. And Dan, the Daily Show writing is as good as it's ever been. Keep up the good work. As a big fan of both these properties, my question is for Stuart. Sure. As a bartender and dungeon master, both of which I have inter- interactions with... Do you have any favorite stories to share about bars, inns, or taverns, fictional or otherwise, told to you or experienced? Wow. I mean, that <laughs> my favorite bar-related story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I tweeted about this, but I just recently installed the uh, security cameras in my bar for no specific reason, just <laughs> it's good to have them. And I downloaded an app uh, so I can now watch... Uh, the feed, the security camera feed on my phone. So uh, that's basically what I've been doing the last 20 minutes of this podcast. Uh, all right. All professionals always. Great. Yeah. Uh, how focused we all. And I'm certainly not reading a blog right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have at, to least what, at least what Stuart's doing does not require the the word centers in your brain. Uh-huh. And also uh, doesn't oh, yeah, require Dan, me to take a fucking DeLorean back in time. Because, Dan, you want me to do more talking. Always. Okay. You're right. I'm, I'm not having to hit my quota yet. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't really... I, I can't think of any particularly, like, good stories, but, uh, you know, I like... 
I like working in a bar. I like when people who listen to the show show up. Um, and I don't know. It's, uh, it, it was a, it was a career that I'd never expected to get into. And it's really cool to have a space where I can, I don't know, uh, hang out and talk to people and hopefully make people happy or make their life slightly less miserable in this veil of tears. Mm hmm. Yep. So I answered your question perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Just what he was looking for. Classic bar tale. This last one is from Sasha, last name withheld. Mm -hmm. Baron Cohen. Sasha writes, Since it's your show that put this curse on me, I feel that in some way I need to punish you by telling you about it. Okay. I listened to the Dweeguns and (laughs) Leprechauns episode about two weeks ago, and very shortly after, I started having reoccurring dreams where I'm being forced to direct a sequel, Vampires and Dweeguns. I don't have a thorough understanding. <laughs> what of this. would they even talk about? I don't. I don't have a thorough Wait, so understanding. Are you saying they're on a date, like in the yeah. first movie? I don't have a thorough understanding of this fake movie's plot, as each dream is mainly just me trying to wrangle gross CGI monsters on real physical sets to perform disconnected scenes. However, these dreams are frequent and vivid enough that I can't stop thinking about them and the clotted, blood-filled jelly donuts the hybrids eat while trying to do actual work. Though they're probably not enough to save the Dwegan mythos, are there any films you think would be improved by adding vampires into the mix? Whether it's the characters turning into vampires, hunting vampires, or meeting a new nocturnal lover? It may be easier to find examples where vampires wouldn't improve things, though. Yeah, that's for sure. I 100% think the Fast and Furious franchise would be improved with car-driving vampires. Oh, yeah, for sure. That just... Goes, I mean, almost any action. I feel franchise. like me saying this, if Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel's listening, I'm sure. And when he hears that, that, that immediately that movie's going to go into production. Uh, what, like, there's no reason the next Terminator movie can't have a vampire in it. Like, mm-hmm. that's got to happen. Uh, uh, and like, Morbius the Vampire movie is going to have a vampire in it. I have to assume so, since the title character is a vampire. Uh-huh. Uh, the the, re- the next Star Wars movie should have a vampire in it. Like, how cool would that be? That was one of my favorite uh, Buck Rogers episodes was the one with the space vampire. Mm-hmm. It was really spooky. Dan, do you have opinions on Buck Rogers? On Buck Rogers? Yeah. Um, no. Okay. What about, like, Godfather 4? Now there's vampires. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what Sicilian vampire was, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Actually, I think about it. <laughs> Uh, and uh, movies that I think would be improved by taking the vampires out. Yeah, Dracula. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, then it's just a movie about someone who wants to buy a house in London. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> At these prices. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to find the space for a family. I don't like drink the- wine because <laughs> it's too expensive. Because of my gout. <laughs> The the it's, it's the middle class is being squeezed out of the urban center. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Drac, uh, you're try- Maybe you should try uh, New York. Then, oh, don't even start. <laughs> this, this is quickly turning into Tevia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, Fiddler on the Roof. Why couldn't it be a vampire on the roof? Other yeah, than that, that would play into so many anti-Semitic stereotypes yeah, about yeah. Jewish people. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> in that, that's the movie where people would be like, what about the blood libel? And and uh, I guess Rabbi Dracula would be like, well, that one's true for me. 
<laughs> Rabbi Dracula. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he went to uh, rabbinical school, sure. Yeah. You know, he's a very respected uh, Dracula in the I community. Mean, it, it would be very hard for him then at Passover because he has to drink wine. Mm. But he mm-hmm. doesn't drink yeah. wine. Here's my other question. <laughs> Why doesn't Dracula drink wine? <laughs> like, do vampires, they oh, just it's, can't... It's, it's just, it's, he's an alcoholic. It's a separate issue. Yeah. Oh, so that he's huge, in recovery. So that huge metal that he wears around his neck is what, like his 4,000 years sober chip? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Take a look. I take my unlife, my afterlife one day at a time. <laughs> he's, he, has, when he's, when he's, he has to find an AA meeting wherever he is, which is difficult yep. because he can't go into churches. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, he, so he has to go into churches chicken. And see if there's an A meeting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wait, could Dracula can go into church's chicken. I mean, it says church in the name. I mean, they have to invite him first. <laughs> oh, okay. That's true. Yeah, he's like he just he waits outside. That was, and as people, and he's like, oh no, this church's chicken has a running water in front of it. <laughs> I wish they hadn't put in this water feature. I mean, it's beautiful, but still, it really adds to the romantic feel of this pedestrian plaza. <laughs> But so, do you think Dracula just go? I I guess that's the joke in uh, what we do in the shadows is they can't go into that club until they're invited in. The oh club. yeah. So yeah. Dracula can't go into any business until he's invited in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's essentially a homeless person at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I think what we do in the or, shadows probably invalidated. All I mean, the that's why. Just yeah. I mean, you know, it's so much better for him in this age of apps. You know, he uh-huh. can just have things delivered to his home. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, he's, yeah. If he's not hungry enough for a full meal, he just orders a nap. <laughs> and then he's like, every time, I don't eat. He reads, an, he reads another story about like startup culture or like tech moguls taking advantage of their workers, and he's like, and they call me a vampire. <laughs> Thanks to Uber, I can finally work at night when yeah. the sun is not a bother. So he's mm-hmm. so uh, that would be the worst if you're driving around and he's like, yep. so <laughs> are you just leaving work or are you going to work? Oh, I'm just like I'm going to the airport. I don't. I'm this, not really looking for a conversation, Dracula. <laughs> is, this, is this trip for pleasure or for fun? That's the same thing, Dracula. You <laughs> know, I've got a philosophy about life. Let me tell you about it and allow me to play my demo. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like that's why this guy's got such a bad rating. It's not because he kills people. <laughs> yeah. So, can you please just suck my blood now? No, no. First, tell me if my trip hop single has a future. Oh, come on, Dracula. Um, hey, that was a great bit, but it's time to move on. Okay. We always have to move on in life. Yeah. Uh, and the next thing we do is we talk about recommendations of movies we saw, and you should watch probably instead of The Meg, Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Almost yeah. certainly. I mean, it depends. Right. Are you in the depends market for, for a kind of boring giant shark movie? Then yeah, watch The depends. Meg. I know what you guys are going to recommend. Yeah. Come on. Uh, I'll go first. Uh-huh. I, I went to the film forum recently. I saw a little movie from 1937, Elliot's Territory. Mm-hmm. It's called Easy Living. Oh, I love Easy Living. And, yeah. uh, Recommend it, was, it. Testify, Dan. It was written by Preston Sturgis, the famous writer and director. It was not directed by him. It was directed by a guy named Michael Leeson or Lison. I'm not sure how to say his Mitch, last name. I think, I think Mitchell Leeson. Mitchell, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, this is The story that I've always heard is that... <clears throat> that's the movie where he decided, I don't want to see other people wrecking my movies. I'm going to direct them from now on. But Easy Living is hilarious. So I don't know. Easy Living I, I is really I think, good. I think it's an apocryphal story. Um, It's about, basically, <laughs> it's, it's a hard plot to to sum up, so I'll just uh, 
sort of give you the inciting incident. A rich banker is enraged that his wife has bought so many uh, expensive fur coats, so he throws one out the window and it lands on a on a poor working girl. Uh, and through a series of unlikely events thereafter, she becomes mistaken for. Uh, not wealthy. I mean, she becomes mistaken basically for the uh, mistress of a wealthy man. And because of that, everyone wants to curry favor with her by making her, like, giving her easy living. And she, uh, after after her life takes a downturn because of it at first. Yeah. Uh, and it stars Gene Arthur, who is very funny in this movie. I, like, she's so good in the lead. Um, Eddie Arnold is the... Um, Edward Arnold is the uh, the banker and the love I was, interest. I, I was like, oh, Eddie, someone knows Sorry. Edward Arnold. <laughs> the love interest is a very young Ray Milland. And he was so young that as someone who mostly associates Ray Milland with things like dial him for murder, I was I did not recognize him. But he's also very good. He's he's it's he's so young in it that he's billed as baby Ray. <laughs> and there's a it's just I don't know. There's it's got so much inventiveness in it. It's just a delight from start to finish. And there are scenes in it too. Like there's a scene in an automat where there's a run on free food that goes on so much longer than you think it should, but somehow still maintains uh, being funny through the entire which sequence. Es- especially because it's just the same joke over and over again, which is that <laughs> people fall down sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but it's done very well. So uh, easy living. I liked it a lot. Easy living. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that came out like two weeks ago. So the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, It's a uh, low budget thriller called Rust Creek. Uh, It is, I think it's streaming and playing in a few, uh, playing in a few select cities. Uh, It is a thriller set in Appalachia about a college uh, college girl who is going to drive she's driving to DC for a job interview and gets off the highway and is trying to take a shortcut when she has to turn around and she gets embroiled in a little bit of local criminal activity um, and has to kind of has to survive and it's a movie that is patient and uh, it is beautifully shot. It's a little long, but, uh, and, and none of the like twists or anything are particularly new, but it's just a well-made little thriller and it's, it's pretty cool. I recommend it. Rust Creek. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie. Elliot. That, that go. May, okay. I did now. start. Okay. Okay. This is throwing me off quite a bit. What do we do at this part? Uh, this, I'm going to recommend a movie that I thought, for certain had been recommended already, but maybe I'm wrong, which is, can you ever forgive me? So, uh, did either of you guys recommend that already on the show? What was that? Can you ever forgive me? Uh, no, I don't, okay, I don't think either of us have seen it yet. Okay. For some reason, I, I, for some reason I thought it was recommended already, but I highly recommend it. It's the story with Melissa McCarthy, uh, and Richard E. Grant, where she is a down on her luck biographer who basically gets into forging letters from, famous people uh, and selling them as memorabilia as artifacts uh, in order to support her life and, you know, becomes more and more deeply enmeshed in it and more and more criminal about it. Uh, And it's like a movie that I thought, just thought they handled it super well. And it's a really solid, like character movie between her and Richard E. Grant. Like I realized I like Melissa McCarthy much more as a dramatic actress than I do as a comedic actress. 
watching this movie. And I just think it was just like a really, really solid movie about a character who kind of gets in too deep on something and a character who rubs the other people in her life the wrong way so you can see how she's reached this point. But the way she's handled in the movie, like you want her to succeed, you know, and that's they just did a really good job of that. And something that I especially liked about it is that like both of the main characters, Melissa McCarthy character and Richard E. Grant's character are gay, but the movie is not about them being gay. Like it's just a thing about them that is taken for granted by the movie and is not is neither called attention to nor is it ignored. And I thought that they handled that particularly well, that it's just kind of taken as this is a fact of their life and we don't have to make a big deal about it. And we also don't have to pretend it doesn't exist. And Richard E. Grant, he's amazing in everything. He's just great, right? Yeah, guys? he's with Nail. He's he's with Nail, and here he's with Melissa McCarthy. In, he shows. He shows. Can you ever in, forgive me? Uh, he shows up in the new season of. Uh, he shows up in the new season of a series of unfortunate events, uh, working with a partner played by Beth Grant, and I don't know why. I think it's so funny that they partnered up <laughs> two people with the last name Grant. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty funny. Uh, as always, the E in Richard E. Grant stands for excellent. Okay. So that's Can You Ever Forgive Me, a movie I really liked a lot. Well, we've done it yet again. We've fulfilled our contractual obligation to the devil uh-huh, yeah. and put out another episode of this podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, why, and what did we get in exchange for that punishment? I don't remember. These was magic we, lo- we, lost that, we lost that fiddle contest. <laughs> we never should have wagered in magic yeah. beans in a fiddle contest. Why did we think that we any any of us could play the fiddle? <laughs> I was pretty sure I could figure it out. Yeah, it looks pretty easy. I mean, have you seen people play it? Yeah, when you get stuck in, it'll be fine. Yeah, and like when you see people play it, they're just going da 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 da. They're just moving that thing back and forth Mm -hmm. like it's not a piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I figured if I stomped my foot hard enough, it would (laughs) it would work. Uh, And I I I remember at the time works for Mario. We we were (laughs) trying we were trying to help each other while each of us was playing. The other two were being like, "Good sound, love it." And like trying to dance to it to try yeah. to fool the devil into thinking that maybe he was wrong and that it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But and then and then I started talking to him about like, hey, do you realize Die Hard is a Christmas movie to just distract him? And mm-hmm. he picked that up. And oh, boy, now everybody now every jerk in, in America wants to talk about that. So yep. I'm sorry for unleashing that plague of darkness on the world. But mm-hmm. uh, Dan, the magic beans, I don't even remember how they entered into the whole scenario. We wanted to eat them, right? <laughs> Well, there are three of them, and we figured that if we each had That's one. That's barely a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I like Stuart, you said barely a meal, as if it, it is a meal. It's just barely a meal. <laughs> like one bean is not a meal. It reminds me of the great poem, uh, The Potato and the Pea, which mm-hmm. just goes, one potato makes a meal. One pea, no big deal. <laughs> and this was the first poem that my son ever memorized. Oh, wow. But uh, okay. yeah, so so uh, we've we've done it again. Old Nick, uh, he can't he can't uh, make us do it anymore. And mm-hmm. we, I guess we'll have to we're haunted again every two weeks, right? Yeah, and that's when the next episode will come out. Mm-hmm. Theoretically. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, are you? Was yeah, that that was dark? Cliffhanger. I mean, <laughs> you know, nothing's certain in this world. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and, Dan, like are it. you are you planning to murder us? Like what? <laughs> I'm not planning on it, but again, nothing's certain. Uh, I mean, it would be probably one of the least surprising ways for me to go. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the most surprising way for you to go, Stuart? Uh, I don't know, like crushed under a pile of textbooks or something. <laughs> like a nerd. 
But then mine... I guess I guess I would have been I'd be killed by my homework <laughs> allergy at that point. <laughs> yeah. I think the the most unlikely way for me to go would probably be falling off the stage as I strut along in a charity bachelor auction. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would probably – I would not go for much. I think I would not involve myself in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. And, I mean, that would that would cast a pall on the rest of the event. <laughs> I mean, they'd still have to go on because they've got to raise money to buy the pool table for the rec center. But still. Yeah. Now, I guess – or maybe the least likely way for me to go would be, like, getting my head cut off by a helicopter blade because I'm pretty short. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> – that's true. <laughs> yeah. And you don't go rush. They don't fly you anywhere in a helicopter. Yeah, and also Sean Landis isn't directing you in anything, so. Oh! Take that, Sean Landis. Wow. Take that. He Murderer. listens to this, Dan. He listens right. to this hoping his name gets mentioned, and now wishing on a monkey paw caused it to be mentioned, but not the way he wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool, guys. We did it. Uh, I've been still rolling to another flower piles. <laughs> okay, I guess we're doing this now. I mean, I've we have Dan. to. Dan, would you prefer we just dicker around and put off the inevitable? Or <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy of the Floor House. <laughs> yeah, we're a Max Fun podcast. Yo, check it out, MaxFun.org. There's other shows there. Hey, and who's I'm Elliot. that other guy in the corner? I'm Elliot Kalen, asking you to please mention the Fork House to other people. <laughs> and by the Fork House, I mean the Flop House. Don't let you use my joke name. Uh, please help us in spreading word of the Flop House. Write us a review on iTunes. A good review would be even better. Uh, tweet about us. Instagram about us. Uh, Periscope about us, Facebook Live about us, uh, Snapchat about us, tell your mom. Request Live about us. Yeah, uh, tell everybody about the Flophouse and listen to other Max Fun podcasts because there's a great podcast on Max Fun. And I've been for the Flophouse, Elliot Kalen, wishing you, as always, a pleasant January. Bye. Why do you always it, wish people a pleasant January? That's why it's that's why it's weird because I wish people a pleasant January and every other month. But January's gonna come back. I've got a feeling January's coming back, guys. Good night, everyone. <laughs> uh, On this episode, we discuss the Meg. Welcome to Jurassic Shark. <laughs> Now, Elliot, was, that, was the Megalodon a Jurassic animal, or did Stuart... Uh, uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. Ex- let, let's, let me take a look at it real quick. It could have been. Let's take a look at what, what era it, period actually came from. The Megalodon. Let's see. It was a time period. Ooh, no, it was not. It was not. No, technically the early Miocene to the end of the Pliocene. Ooh, long after the Jurassic period. Stuart, I'm going to have to give you a red card on this one. (laughs) Oh, shit, and I've already got a red card, so that means I'm missing next... Oh, wait, no, that's yellow cards. I'm just missing next game, and I'm probably not (laughs) going to make any money for a little bit. Yeah, exactly, and you'll lose that endorsement deal with... uh, What what was that uh, lubricant company? MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist-owned... Listener supported.